Hello and welcome to This is Halloween, a podcast miniseries where I meet up with friends and I talk to them about Halloween classic movies. And when I came up with this idea, I just thought one of my best friends is just a self-avowed, humongous fan of Stephen King's It. And I had to have her on to just speak about this. So welcome to the podcast, Rainy. How are you doing? Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here, and I am uh, pleased that I can go ahead and gush about the series. <laughs> so I did my due diligence. I, I said before we started recording that I, I've started, I opened up it, I bought it via Kindle and Audible, and so I'm about a third, almost halfway through the book so far, mm-hmm. but I've watched the miniseries, and I not just watched, I bought the Blu-rays of the new movies. So I'm completely inundated in it now. (laughs) So I can speak the lingo, but I wanted to speak with an expert who loves it, loves it, loves it so much. And just ask, well, from the beginning, why do you love the it so much? Um, Well, funny story is growing up, I grew up with the the classic Tim Curry, it, uh, the miniseries. And admittingly, I did not like it at first. It was the big scare hype. It was the Mm -hmm. scary clown that's going to haunt you in your dreams forever. You don't want to watch it. It's going to trigger, like, you can just be scared forever. Um, And I did have uh, a really bad fear of clowns before. Mm -hmm. Um, However, when I came to read the book and then just solidifying in the remake, I just kind of fell in love with the work. And um, so I was actually a bit of a later fan. Um, But... uh, I, I like it just because of the creativity. I like this small group of friends that are just kind of like, you know, we uh, it's relatable. Um, it's just a bunch of kids that just want to have fun. But then they have like these childlike fears, um, except it manifests into this killer demon clown. So, um, yeah, no, I, I've always been a fan of Stephen King, but it's just, I, I didn't get into it a lot later. But I, I enjoy the concept that it brings um, and just like the humor in it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um but that, yeah, that's actually, yeah, I didn't become a fan until much, much later. Uh, and I can say that uh, right now, I think I'm more of a fan of the remake just because it's just kind of brought the whole series back. And I absolutely love that. <laughs> well, just people listening on audio right now can't tell is one that Rainey's room has has a Losers Club and she has a a plushy Pennywise and she has on an It Chapter 2 sweatshirt. So she's totally definitely <laughs> Yeah, I've it. got um I've got quite a bit of a the collection. <laughs> I, I would I would add more, but it's uh <laughs> to be foreseen. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely fantastic. So uh well wanna just start for start talking about the book or just just general free flowing conversation. Sure. Yeah. Um, um, I guess we can start with the book, the uh, the origins. Um, I say we start off with the most controversial chop- topic, and that is what people like to call the child orgy scene yeah. <laughs> in okay. the book. Right. I don't know how far you made it, but that's pretty close to the end. <laughs> it's um, I. I've done my my due diligence in having to read it and bear through it. Oh, um, 
I don't find it necessary, but an interesting fact is that Stephen King went ahead and did talk about it later and said that times were different then, and he acknowledges that it doesn't quite fit anymore, which is, um, I mean, other than the fact that it's completely inappropriate, <laughs> it's not in any of the adaptations. It's really never mentioned. Most people didn't know about it if they saw the miniseries first, which many have. Um but uh, what are your what, what what are your thoughts? We did you read that like even like before? I, I, I did not read that, and I don't look forward to getting to that part of this of the book. Like uh, okay, so can I'll be brutally honest. For there are a lot of things I really admire about the book, mm-hmm. and re, there are moments of the book. It's always a thing with, with with me and Stephen King. I have a bit of a, always a mixed response and reaction i love stephen king the the guy he he is a no bs really straight shooter guy and he's totally honest and he which is odd for his relationship with stanley kubrick which is a whole other conversation but other than that he is just always up front of like when he when people want to adapt his works like do what you want i've written Mm -hmm. the book i'm kind of done just have fun just kind of make it make sure it's my story still but otherwise have have at it if you truly f with his story, then you get the lawnmower man, which he 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 sued to have his name taken off. But other than that, I so like just going through the book is like there's so many passages, Granny, where I was just like, okay. Um, in particular, I just want to single out one moment when he's describing Bill and his grief over the loss of Georgie mm-hmm. in this chapter, like he. That was like, oh man, yes, Stephen King, you are a master. Mm-hmm. Like I give you gripe, but like no, 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 you are actually like this is so heartfelt and good. And then in the middle of that, the spooky clown comes out and just like, well, not spooky clown, zombie, and just like, yeah. ooh, okay, that's great. Um, that's actually a side conversation I want to get into for the adaptations and what they choose to do with Pennywise. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So the uh, underage gang scene is like, okay, so. But what I was getting at is that one of the things I really appreciate the, this, like the movie adaptations for doing, mm-hmm. and what they don't do in the miniseries, but they take out the underage sex scene. So thank goodness is like it really like makes me super uncomfortable now that I know that scene is coming. Is that they're freaking eleven? They're eleven. Yeah. That, um, that happens. So it just like it's like eleven. Yeah, it, it is just, it, it's funny because even in the film adaptations, they go ahead and age them up a little bit. Yeah. Um, Just be, to make them more relatable between audiences. I mean, you got kids, teens, and then even adults because of the miniseries. But um, yeah, that, the book was, uh, yeah, that was no holds bar. They just kind of went, gung, he, Stephen King went gung-ho with that uh, in the most uncomfortable level. And I think the worst part is that it's detailed it's not just this happens it, it it's it's not it doesn't leave it at that it it oh, describes yeah, no. every single moment with every single uh, loser and you read uh, it or you listen to it and you're like uh, you know honestly it's um this is a different book and then it goes back to normal like nothing fucking happened <laughs> just like it's, it's just like i okay all right to, to compare to like the, the thing is like one like it I'd be more comfortable if the adults were doing that. It would still be weird, but it'd be like, okay, it's sexually right. appropriate and okay, weird. But it's just like, and it 
it doesn't even factor into the plot or or like themes really at all either. It doesn't. It doesn't. And it's to, so apparently it's because they get stuck in the sewers that they have to do this because it's a uh, described as a bridge between childhood and adulthood. So it's them breaking that I guess seal, um, so to Ugh. speak. And I guess it's supposed to be like symbolic, but it's actually just very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, it's yeah. I I I don't know what. He said it chimes have changed, but I'm like, I, what was different then that made him put that in the book? Like, period. I, I think it's just okay. A lot of people are mean. Uh, they they say this. Uh, he he's been upfront about it. He's had substance abuse issues. Mm-hmm. Some people have said this joke. Oh, cocaine is a hell of a drug. It's just it just he was just kind of like. And I can kind of see that. We're just like, at some point, it's just like, hey, what the hell? Just go with it. Just had this idea, and he just runs with it, and then he just... It, it makes you wonder, though, like, did he finish, like, a, you know, like, an episode of, say, he did drugs, and he's like, all right, I'm done with these hallucinogenics and all that. And then he looks back at his work, and he's like, what the fuck did I write? Ah, fuck it, keep it in. <laughs> yeah, well, th- that's the part I don't understand. It's like, it's like, I don't know, just like me, it would be like, I'd be like, whoa, that's crazy. All right, taking that out immediately. Right. Like a sane man's like, no, dude, not cool. This is not cool at all. Like, what do you think this is? Some like weird fairy tale? No. Right. It's cool. like he woke up one morning and was like, eh, we're gonna continue the story of the killer clown. <laughs> right after. Yeah. Um so, But that would be the most I that, that yeah, that is the most infamous part. There's one other part we need to talk about for for big thing. Mm-hmm. That's um, I, yeah, just it's a weird, it's just weird. Um, the thing like another podcast I listened to that talked about it, where it was a, it she was a, a big fan, but she was just like was honest and just said like Stephen King's a horny bastard. <laughs> it's kind of true. Like if you read some of his books, like when I read the the mist for example is just like in the is one is like how much the that he he goes into explicit detail of of like the the lawyer that lives next to him like like leering at the main character's wife and like mm-hmm. he explicitly describes like this and in it is like like the lady's nipples being firm and stuff like that it's like why do you need to include this just weird, um, very apparent details. <laughs> yeah, just like, for like things that aren't necessary, and like also, I mean, and this is gonna be in when we talk about the movies as well. But it's also, <laughs> oh boy, I don't want to read too much into it. But I, if I were Tabitha King, I would be a little bit concerned sometimes because he's written so many stories where the main characters like just cheat on their wives for no reason. <laughs> It's either that or something worse is implied. Um, again, yeah, like you said, we'll probably touch upon in the movies, especially in the remakes, especially uh, Bev and her dad, because that is the most uncomfortable thing ever. No, um, yeah. But we'll touch upon that later. But yeah, it's it seems like it's either it's always implied in either whether it's the books or adaptations. Um, it yeah, it's. You kind of wonder what was going through his mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, I don't. I mean, like, there's ideas. Uh, well, okay, when we get to the movies or or, or, mm-hmm. or 
like I can talk more about it, but just like there, actually in miniseries and everything, there's like this kind of plot point of like how Bill like never really got over Beverly and he just married a girl that's like a carbon copy of Beverly. Yes. Um, like, it, it, that's like, that's still, I, I will say that's better than like Ben, the character of Ben where he's still hung up on a chick he dated, like he, he had a crush on in middle school or, or it's even worse in the book of elementary school. Elementary school? But, and here's the thing, which is weird, is like in every form, so book, miniseries, remakes, um, they're supposed to forget about Derry and okay, everything yeah. revolving it. So I'm like, how come Ben is the only one that remembers this girl crush? And like some people are like, well, he doesn't remember who, but he remembers a crush from Derry. He still remembers the town. And it's like, yeah. I don't understand. So yeah, it. I thought, I don't know. I think that that's a little weird, but they all kind of like married or got involved with someone that was reminiscent of their past same thing with eddie he married someone exactly like his mom yeah well, um, like it's super weird it's, it, it is funny but like it's like everyone like it's like they make it in the book they like like he he, he knows it from the get-go it's like yeah freud have your field day like i know <laughs> i'm marrying my mother like she is exactly like my mother both in like size attitude i am marrying my mother mm-hmm. i know I know. It's like, okay, you know that you're doing this, Eddie? Like, yeah. yeah. It's, um, I guess the, so I always just interpreted it at the end just to make more sense of it is like they all went back to like, kind of like a security blanket, like unknowingly going back to what their childhood was. So example, Bev just went back to an abusive, uh, dude, um, mm-hmm. similar to her dad. Uh, Bill ended up marrying someone that was exactly like Bev because he had a major crush on her. Eddie mm-hmm. with his mother. Um, Richie is... Uh-oh. ...is by himself. Yeah, you broke up for a sec. But yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Um, got you back. Uh, yeah... Dear, you're breaking up again on me. Okay. Are you still there? All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Okay, yeah, we, we're back. We had some technical difficulties. So, yeah. yeah was... we... <laughs> oh, well. So... Yeah, it's it's a weird plot point, but no, at the same time, like there is like the you know, and that th- there's that age old Freudian thing of like you you end up marrying like your like someone that's very similar to your your parents, mm-hmm. which I don't want to believe is true. That seems creepy future for me, but I don't know. Then again, there's ways where that's not creepy, but let's not plunge too deep into that that's a whole other side thing yeah like stan like is the is the one who gets normal deal he just he marries a nice girl that's nothing like anything to do with dairy but then he goes yeah. a certain way mm-hmm. which we can talk about too yes. so i have a big compliment for the miniseries regarding stan 
Mm-hmm. So the big thing we should also talk about for the for the book before we get on to the miniseries and then the movies mm-hmm. is this. And let me ask you now, what do you think about the turtle? Some of the island turtle and how it keeps reappearing? Or just like the... Uh... Um, I, I can't. I, if I'm going to be honest, I can't quite re- recall it in both and the book. Except the remakes did a little bit better of a part in kind of like having it there. Yeah. Well, I'm just asking. Like, do you, I'm just like for for me, I'm I'm totally like it's it's a weird part. Like the book kind of begins and says like like Stan in the middle of like this long long okay Rainy, i do applaud and love you for for saying that like the book is really really long long and one of the reasons why it's really really long is there's a lot of just basically filler yes of like um we get get like 20 or so pages of of like stan of just like being an accountant and like right getting getting a business started and like also having trouble with with having kids with his wife and just like well this is a very nice human portrait but what does this have to do with like you know the story about the spooky clown right um it there's yeah if there's anything there is in this book there's fillers i even through my several reads is i would have to tab the parts where it just it talks So I I brought up the turtle because I'm just thinking of like the it's such a fun mm-hmm. it's just a fun crazy spooky well not spooky but just like it's part of like the bigger idea of that Stephen King would then go on to do with like the with um the Dark Tower series I'm just like oh no 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 mm-hmm. like like it is like part of this like gigantic cosmos that I connect my books to and like the turtle is like the creator of the universe and it is like Mm -hmm. it's like inverse this entity that feeds on fear that like i i don't like but it's just like yes i know it's a i skipped ahead to just read a little bit of him like thing is like they talk mm -hmm. so much about the turtle but like the turtle actually isn't in it a lot Right. So it's he appears more of a symbolism, and in this case, um, as the creator, he's more of the protector. Um, at least that was what was intended. But um, yeah, there was a theory. I did, yeah, I did happen to know like it was connected to like his other stories, like it exists in the same realm, or that um, it was a creation based out of the same origins. Uh which is insane, and that's a lot to take in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the for me, like, uh, I, like, from a storytelling perspective, like, the biggest thing is mm-hmm. that once you introduce the turtle, like, this cosmic entity that can completely match and is probably greater than it, 
it's just mm-hmm. uh that's such a deus ex machina mm-hmm. i mean they do establish in the book that that like it's like no but the turtle can't help us anymore the turtle can't help us they keep on repeating that mm-hmm. but but like just knowing that like there is something out there that could theoretically just wave the magic wand and end the story i do think like that's a wise omission mm-hmm. it's just like uh that seems like it would kind of like be i think weird that would might be something that the remake actually does better. Um, it sets the ground rather than the turtle. It just kind of like shows up like as like, hey, you know, like remember this reference. But they switch tones essentially to make it more of um, they want to continue believing in something. So they they use another item to base, essentially uh, keep them believing. Um, I think the turtle uh, didn't wasn't as strong. <laughs> as intended as like a tether to go ahead and keep doing that so i'm, I'm actually kind of glad they like left that out um that also would open like a whole nother can of worms in terms of like lore that just the it series alone just shoot the book alone has so much filler it really doesn't need any more fluff um honestly i wish they spent a little bit more time um just kind of addressing the point the book would be a lot shorter yeah but i think they I mean, if anything, the filler might have touched on the losers a bit more in a different light than what they did for their day job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it was like with, with it and the other big gigantic, gigantic book of King of the Stand is mm-hmm. like he, he wants he, he he's trying in both. Like he said, like, I'm doing my Lord of the Rings. Like they, these are my Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And like it's like I'm doing big, massive things. So. Of course, I'm going to give you like not just the story of of Mike, but I'm also going to give like the story of Mike Mike's father's service in the military and experiencing racism. And that's all just like well, it's very moving. It's very well written, but does it advance the story? Does it really right. flesh out the characters? I don't know. Like, there's other parts where like he's there's sections where it makes sense in the book to have this. I mean, granted, like the thing is like, hey, when you do a book, you don't have to be obligated completely to just move the narrative along. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I do like the the sections where it just like we're just it's Mike narrating like Derry is really evil. Like I know it's like this really bo- seems like this nice, boring, quaint little town. But like this place is evil. Mm-hmm. That's like that's cool. It's setting up foreboding. And just adding the menace of it. Yeah, I think it's kind of like he got caught up in, he's like, well, you know, this town is, this town is born on, like, racism. And he's like, I gotta touch upon that. It's like, not really. I mean, you give the time and you just kind of, it's like, all right, we get it. The town's racist. That's all we really need. You don't need, like, a backstory why it's particularly against Mike or what have you, that kind of thing. Um, I thought, yeah, like, that stuff was unnecessary but i did like the detail when it described the town how like every single time something weird would happen around the losers and everybody else was just kind of like uh you know turning a blind eye like it was eerie and creepy and just like strange and i love that but it, it's like there wasn't enough in there about it it would just be like a paragraph and then you're like well what? <laughs> one more <laughs> yeah Okay, actually, I, I figured out a little bit of, of why the turtle is definitely, like, kind of a good thing to leave out. 
Mm-hmm. And it ties a little bit to something from a quote from George R. R. Martin. Mm-hmm. So um, there, the thing is with like with like it. Like I am talking specifically of like the entity it. Mm-hmm. Of like Stephen King is by his own admission a Lovecraft fan, mm-hmm. and so he. And so, like, the big point of, like, Lovecraft horror is always that it's just, it's just the horror of the unknown. And just kind of understanding you are just a speck in the universe that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And so he loves to do that those kinds of, and so it is, like, a total Lovecraftian monster with, but, like, it's Stephen King's take on a Lovecraftian monster. Mm-hmm. His twist. The thing is, though, that, like, George R. R. Martin rightly said is, like, fans of Lovecraft, like, then, like, tried to explain Lovecraft's mythology and kind of, like, explain what all these pe- things were that he only, like, gives us the tip of the iceberg on. Mm-hmm. And just Martin, like, rightly calls it out. I was like, no, you're ruining the fun. The point is the mystery. The point is, like, that it doesn't make sense. That's just creepy and you don't get to understand because you're just a speck. Right. And I love, honestly, how they handle it in It Chapter 2. It was like, yeah, it's an alien. It's from some other place. That's all we get to know. It was like, yeah, it's a shape-shifting monster, and it's from another world. Like, is it from, like, another dimension, galaxy, what what have you? Who knows? But either way, it's bad news. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, cinematically it worked better that way. It's like, you don't (laughs) actually need to know, like, yes, I'm the, I'm like the, the inverse of the creator of the universe. Right. That's kind of weird. Um, I think it works better for it though, uh, cinematically, just because um, it the movie's supposed to be a little bit more of a visual storytelling and maybe even a little bit closer to, let's just say, reality. Um, or you're, sp- it just seems more relatable in a sense that if you came across this alien from another world. Um, you probably care a little bit about like where it's from, but for the most part, you care about getting rid of it because you're like, yeah, yeah fuck this clown. He needs to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I think cinematically, I mean, it, it's an easy cut and dry um, way to go. So you don't have to have all the little nicks and knacks of the book. Um, because, I mean, essentially, if someone, if you were to tell someone the plot, that's the plot. You know, these kids run into this clown. It comes back later as, when they're adults. Um, and they got to go kill it. Um, it's just a step-by-step kind of thing. And I think, uh, yeah, no, I think the films did that pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, uh, yeah. It's just like you don't actually need the origin story of it. Like, that's right. That's kind of what we're saying. It's like, it's like. I understand, like, from a kind of, like, a big book fan perspective, it's like, no, I want to. I want to know. It's like, do you really, though? Like, when you're watching it as a movie, like, I don't need to know why Hannibal Lecter, when he started to become a cannibal, it's just he's a cannibal. Mm-hmm. If anything, I mean, you, it's a fun, like, side story, but it doesn't need to be, um, I guess, like, in the main, the whole main arc. I mean, it's like, there's a killer clown. It's going to murder you let's kill it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it was, I don't think it's entirely necessary. Okay. So 
let's talk about the 90s miniseries then let's move on and sure start start with the adaptations so uh okay first actually okay this is a bit of a debate right here or or Mm -hmm. just topic kind of one of the things that i I appreciate reading the book and the 90s miniseries that they go for much more. Mm-hmm. Although I noticed rewatching 2017, like it chapter one, it's it wasn't as big as I, I had previously remembered. But even though like people call it the like it the spooky clown book, mm-hmm. I kind of the point, especially in the book, is that the clown is not supposed to be scary. It's like no, like. I know Stephen King like wanted to ruin clowns. That was part of his goal mm-hmm. and just make them scary. But it's just, no, the whole point of like the clown is like that. That's what lures people in is like clown. Huh? Oh, clown. Funny. Ha ha ha. Innocent. Come in closer. Come in closer. Now I'm going to change it to something spooky. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Now I got gotcha. you. Like when Georgie like sees Pennywise, the clown in the book and in like the, in the 1990s miniseries. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, funny, a clown, ha, 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 yeah, cool. And just slowly then, like, it becomes creepy. Yeah, it's, um, I think, ooh, yeah, the remake does that a little bit better. Um, I understand Georgie is young, especially in the uh, 90s miniseries, mm-hmm. um, but it is true. It's kind of like, so the clown is supposed to be a lure, um, guys, because all mm-hmm. kids like, you know, like clowns, it's fun, it's circus and all this. Um, the only thing is, <laughs> um, Tim, okay, let's just say, well, I'm gonna put it down on the table right now. Tim Curry made a fucking awesome, uh, it. And sometimes I feel like they just let this guy loose on set because he's like, you know what? He's in a zone. Let's keep filming this. This is great. Um, yeah. You know, we're not we're not going to say cut. We're just going to go. Um, <laughs> I think he did a great job. Um, and the practical effects and just more of like stop motion and everything. It added that creepiness for that time where it's like, OK, you know, at first it was funny. haha, this clown. But uh, it loses it, honestly, after the first veil of Georgie dying, because now, you know, as an audience, you see this clown. Bad shit <laughs> happens. Yeah. Um, and there's none of that really with the losers. They don't have that slow decline. I mean, he shows up, scares them, but they already they're already scared of him. They already, you know, anticipate it. They never had that same breakdown that Georgie had. And I think it sucks because um they get around that by just altering it in terms of like they see things that make them scared rather than um it himself being the scary component, uh, kind of like, hey, you know, I'm a clown, it's fun, and then it turns into something scary. It's just he starts morphing into these different fears because mm-hmm. it, it's just like a major plot hole when you think about it, and you only really get that breakdown with Georgie, and it's it's kind of upsetting. Well, and you're touching on something that I do. I think that's more of the problem with the story itself, but mm-hmm. I think. The big thing the book actually does that the movies and the miniseries don't quite get mm-hmm. is like is that Pennywise is might be like the closest thing to its favorite form, mm-hmm. but like it's a shapeshifter the entire time. And what I really applaud for the '90s miniseries in particular, mm-hmm. of just like Tim Curry was like, yeah, like I'll voice some of the spooky like werewolves and stuff, but 
Like, I'm just playing Pennywise. Mm-hmm. Like, I am just playing Pennywise, so I'm barely... So he's not in it a lot. Yeah, he's barely there. And so... And okay, I'm, I'm going to throw down the gauntlet, Rainy, with this. Mm-hmm. Here's my take. My hot take, but it's also my honest truth. Bill Skarsgård is scarier. But I think Tim Curry gives a better performance. I agree. Um, the it, it's hard because it's one of those. It's kind of like Spider Man. Like you got a good Peter Parker, but he's a shitty <laughs> Spider Man, or you have got a good Spider Man, but he's a shitty Peter Parker. It's mm. like you want both, um, and it's hard because um, Tim Curry's got the you know the clown look to him, and he's got the laughter. But as far as his scary aspect, it's it's silly. I mean, he shows up and he rah, once in a while. Um, well, he, but they, I think he, he's able to, why I say it's a better performance is I can see both is I mm-hmm. can actually see like him as Pennywise, like luring kids. Like the Georgie scene mm-hmm. is like the perfect example. It's like, Oh no, no. Like, Oh no, no. This, like, yeah. I do believe like he would, like the kid would buy it. Like mm-hmm. the biggest problem I have when we get to like the main movie is like, mm-hmm. it's like the design for Pennywise is too damn scary. It's like no child in their right mind. Like the minute they look at that cl- that clown they are running well yeah and it's the same thing with georgie i mean the first time he sees him he literally jumps it's and he's wary he's already not drawn in and i I don't see the appeal even with um even when it comes to chapter two there's another scene where it shows like he's luring this girl in and i just i don't see it i just don't i don't believe it because any child today or any at any point sees that they are running for the hills especially in a dark place that is not something that you stick around for i don't no matter how they want me to believe that i just can't it's just (laughs) that's unrealistic um i know it's a movie but it's just it doesn't make sense if i saw yeah by by chapter two it's like uh, we'll get to chapter two but chapter two has this mm -hmm. kind of like scream meta awareness for for certain things Mm mm-hmm and so it's just kind of like it's just hard for me to believe that like when you have characters that are smart enough to kind of recognize some of the yeah. tropiness, it's like <laughs> that's clown is scary. Run. Yeah. But yeah, so so Tim Curry just. But here's a fun little story. Just doing a little research, Rainy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this cracks me up. Is that Tim Curry just once like like he 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 about speaking about making it was like he was doing the Georgie scene and just halfway through shooting the scene, he was like, Ooh, you'll float too, Georgie. Suddenly the, 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 the kid actor said, Tim. Yeah. You're scaring me. <laughs> like, Oh, Oh, I'm sorry, but, but I'm, but I'm supposed to. It was like one. He was like, it was like this mixed experience. Cause he was like, yes, I'm doing it. But also like, Oh, I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of that in the remake too. Um, Bill Skarsgård apparently had a really good rapport with um, the kids. He always made sure they were like okay after takes. Um, yeah, same thing with the bullies, uh, especially since those scenes were actually somewhat traumatic. And even the kid actors were saying like, uh, since they weren't really allowed to see him at all as the clown, yeah. um, their first takes during his appearance were genuine fear, and um, I thought that I think that is like a really intense kind of uh, 
uh, I want to say a very Hitchcock way to approach things. Like you want that um, genuine fear. And I think it's, yeah, I think that, I think it's important that like, you know, behind the scenes you you hear about this stuff where it's like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, they made sure that they were all right. And um, I think the funny part is now that you mentioned with that, Georgie actor saying that to Tim is um, it was almost the absolute opposite for the actor of Georgie um, in the newer in the remix because he yeah. wanted to see it so bad yeah. <laughs> he cried about it and it's just like wow this is uh, you know it's it's an interesting uh, polarity there <laughs> yeah. yeah well it's either you really want to see the clown the scary clown or you don't <laughs> right the weirdest part for me is like it apparently just look from what I've heard is like that they shot the Georgie scene for the for the 2017 movie. That was the like one of the last scenes they shot. Mm-hmm. So like I guess like the first scene like they did together was like the was the you'll float two scene. Yes. And that's when he met Pennywise. Yeah. And um, that seems to be a reoccurring theme. Uh, I believe so. Like even in the chapter two. The scene where uh, it is taunting Ben is actually the last scene that they ever filmed. And it was kind of, um, they like to say it's their way of like closing the movie out because he slams the door on Ben. Um, And I thought that was, I think that's kind of cool that like it's not filmed sequentially, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, I thought that was interesting that those were the final scenes as well. Game of Thrones creators i bringing back to game of thrones because i of course i have to but but like they they quickly learned as they were going on the seasons never make the last scene they shoot their death scenes that just <laughs> leaves a weird effect and feeling on everyone so make okay. sure they shoot something else <laughs> but yeah that was their their little idea so so yeah tim curry is just He's really, really good of just like he, he to me, at least he like he really does play both all the angles of like being funny as Pennywise, but at the same time, like, oh, no, he's terrifying. I, 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 am the I couldn't be of worlds. I couldn't be sold on him being super terrifying, uh, Tim Curry, just because I've. I, I, maybe it's a personal thing, like it, I've seen him outside of roles like fair, fair uh, enough. And it's it just it's an interesting take just because he's so enjoyable as, on set as Pennywise. Mm-hmm. Um, it lacks the fear. And I think honestly, I think that just plays part more um, alliance, along the lines of the narrative. Like mm-hmm. uh, they told Tim Curry, you know, go at it, be scary. Um, the only problem is it's certain scenes just maybe they were too long. Um, for example, in the miniseries, there's a scene where they're looking at this picture book and it's slowly coming to life. And Pennywise Ooh. is kind of like he comes up, uh, you know, he's doing his little happy fun stuff. Then he kind of like gets in their faces. But it just lasts a little too long. I can see that. I, I, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I mm-hmm. I'm going to be for, for the miniseries as a whole. Like, I do think like actually like seeing it for the first time is like, no, this holds up. This holds up. This isn't a masterpiece at all. Right. Like it's a it's a really good three episodes of the Twilight Zone, basically. Yeah. Like like and so like that's as spooky as it gets. It's like Twilight Zone. And not great mm-hmm. Twilight Zone, like middle of the range Twilight Zone. 
So there's some really great moments and kind of okay. The I'm gonna be honest, it's a bit also like the consensus about the book and and the movies. It's just I think it's just tied with the story itself. The best mm-hmm. part is the kids part, and like the adults part is not as good. I I agree throughout uh, every single yeah every single adaptation the kids were always better. Um, I think. I think a part of it is because the kids have a sense of, I mean, in the story, a sense of innocence and kids have a more um, volatile reaction to things. Um, I mean, yeah. as we slip into adulthood, it, it starts to kind of like bear down a bit and you're more prepared, I guess. Um, but all in all, yeah, I think even just in the movies in general, uh, the miniseries and the remakes, the kids gave an ace performance. However, when we get to um, the remakes, it chapter two, the cast is phenomenal, and I believe honestly it's because the kids got to primarily choose uh, who they wanted, and on top mm. of that, the adult actors kind of came in and saw how the kid actors acted, so they were already kind of meshing uh, before the second movie even came out, and I think that played a part in the, the accuracy and just the overall enjoyment of like the close connection and how it was just so accurately portrayed, and I love that. Um, unfortunately. It still falls short of the kid version just because it, I don't know if it's just because sequels are always not as good, but <laughs> the kid actors just I, I don't know. They they like they kill it every single time <laughs> or pretty simpatico. Um, so I think for we'll get to chapter two, we'll, we'll more talk about that. But I think mm-hmm. just focusing on the. I'm um, just a fun behind the scenes through doing some podcast diving. Like Tommy Lee Wallace has like outright said, like the credited writer, he only wrote part one of the two part miniseries. And basically Tommy Lee Wallace, the director, had to rewrite pretty much all of it. Mm-hmm. So that might attribute a little bit for for why it's a bit lacking in the second part. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the big thing that you're touching on that I completely agree is is one is because like it uh, that it is a fear entity mm-hmm. like you, you're more imaginative and more you just are more imaginative and more scared when you're a child mm-hmm. just instinctively because you because there is that sort of sense where just like you 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 can believe that it both both you can believe in something like it existing mm-hmm. and it can be whatever you want if, the, the great line in the book early where Stephen King, sometimes he can be a, he has that kind of working class poetry in him where Georgie first describes it in the, like the very first chapter of the book mm-hmm. of just it, this, this something in the darkness, it, it is in the darkness. It is whatever I fear. And that that is the perfect description of what it is, is just I am just whatever you are afraid of. If you're afraid of a werewolf, I'm a werewolf. If you're Mm -hmm. afraid of like this, this cheap knockoff mummy, I'm a mummy. And like each time they say like, it's like, wow, you look like the like the my favorite horror monsters or Stephen King's favorite horror monsters. But like you're actually real. See here with what you said, I think so. It's whatever. So it's it is 
called that because it's whatever you fear. It's the manifestation of fear, ear of worlds, um, praise on people's fears, whatever it may be. The only issue is, say it is his favorite form. Um, we're going to go ahead and assume that's how he lured most children in is being a clown. And he doesn't know any better mm-hmm. because, you know, he's just going to be a clown for the rest of the time. And that can uh, we can go ahead and say that's why maybe in the remake, the kids are uh, a lot scared of clowns because who finds that fun anymore? <laughs> At least not like that old fashioned looking clown. It's usually, you know, you, you think when you think clowns, you think, oh, Cirque du Soleil or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think it might have been more effective from like a story point, just being it, it literally being just that it turns into every single one of their fears, uh, including as adults, just maybe like it really hits home. Like maybe it starts adapting, like it hits things that are like a lot more um, fearful in their own right. Mm-hmm. But the only problem is he just sticks as a clown. And I understand it's because, you know, it's it has to pay homage to the book. Otherwise, it's not it. But that is, I want to say, is actually a really big downfall, and it sucks because that's such he's it's you know the poster boy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, it, I think it would be a whole lot scarier as a whole if they just focused on it being literally uh, this fear manifesting morphing thing instead of just hey, I'm gonna primarily hang out as a clown and then only scare you as something else when it proves prudent. And even yeah. then, it's very, very short. All the films do it. Um, the scenes are very short, cut and dry. It's just like, I'm, you know, I'm the scary being. Um, and uh, the miniseries does it in a way where uh, it's just the the clown's not in it enough. And you just kind of think, all right, well, that's his face. Um, but there's no really other fear except for, like, I guess the mummy and... Uh, the dad uh, for Bev. I don't know. It just it doesn't hit like, well, home. Well, Richie, Richie is the werewolf. Mm-hmm. But I know what you're saying. And um, yeah, it, but that's just part of the story, I think. Like, I, I'm more like, OK with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just like from a storytelling perspective, like especially with the times that they had, mm-hmm. you've got to you've got to have like a, at least one consistent form. It, 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 it reverts back to every now and then. Right. Otherwise, like just the entire time, it's just, that's too much of like a Pandora's box of like, well, it, it can be anything. And just like all the time, like, well, how do right. we know it's even the same thing? Or, or there's just lots of monsters in this place. I guess kind of, yeah, like a consistent form to exist amongst society. But here's the, here's the problem. If it only awakes every, you know, some odd years why why does it need a consistent form it, it just doesn't it, i don't know it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like an endless loophole like oh yeah uh, it's you know this creature comes out every now and then and chooses this form it's like why you know this eater of worlds this uh chaotic being cannot adapt to like okay what's scary today you know <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you know, when he's hibernating, he he checks up on the pop culture, Rainy, and you know, keeps keeps uh, tabs. Yeah, he's good. I mean, like you gotta think he's existed for a thousand years, but he doesn't notice any change. Like, huh? All of a sudden, there's these moving cars. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like 
you know, that's part of like, you know, that Lovecraftian ambiguity is like, no, he senses. So like he he figures things out immediately. So like you're ooh, you're scared of this. So I, I can figure out like I can smell or like I, I can telepathically think like, ooh, you're afraid of werewolf. OK, what's a werewolf? All right. That's what it is. OK, but that that's that in itself is scary because it's like he knows your deepest secrets uh, kind of thing or your deepest fears, yeah. whether you acknowledge them on a daily basis or not. I think, yeah, that's that that is definitely scary. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are some really good spooks in there uh, mm-hmm. in the 90, 90 miniseries. So I want to really compliment the structure of the first night, the first half mm-hmm. of so part of like the weakness of the book, I think, and why the first movie and the first half are especially the first movie is really good is they don't do. Like, there's a bit too much of just cross-cutting of, like, present, past, present, past, present, past. Right. But they actually do a good way of doing it. And, like, a TV hour at the in the 1990s, they had commercial breaks. And so, like, there's seven acts, and each seven act is, is like, the, from the perspective of, of, like, you see the adult, and then it's that character is sort of the main character for that act. And so you see Richie, and then it's flashback Richie for the fifties and he gets to see the werewolf mm-hmm. and it also is nicely structured of each, each act. It's slowly him going through it's Mike going through the roster and going through the losers. Mm-hmm. And I was saying this earlier. So my big praise of all the versions, it's really like a, a great idea on paper for books to like, but they, don't I don't think even the book does it the right way really mm-hmm. because like it's just like Stanley is like the second person Mike calls mm-hmm. I think like I forget who he calls first but like Stanley or maybe he is the first no like you know he isn't I think he calls Bill first but whatever either way like he calls one of them and then immediately after he calls like then like then like Stan commits suicide Mm-hmm. And from a book perspective and, you know, like storytelling perspective, it actually does make sense of like, why did he do that? What made him so scared that he would rather die than than go back? That's a really good idea. I, I'm, just, I'm it, going to be honest, though, like, I don't think the 2017 movie really sold me on it. It only makes sense having seen chapter two that it was like. And, like, then looking back on chapter one, I could kind of see, like, oh, okay, I can kind of see why you made this decision. Uh, see, I would have to disagree. I think the miniseries did it weaker. So, on think- Stan's end, uh, there had to have been a real, re- like, a really good reason as to why he didn't want to be involved anymore. And when he faced off with the mummy in the house... Uh, Nothing bad happened to him um, other than getting stuck. He got out. But for the mini for uh, the remakes, he actually got attacked. Um, and well, I know when you leave Derry, like so when you leave Derry, you don't really remember anything. Uh-huh. Um, but to remember a fear so great because of that trauma to send him over the edge. I want to say the remakes did that a lot better. I'll this is where we're going to be disagreeing. I, one okay, like I, it was weird as a Boy Scout to hear him 
constantly chant the scout oath as a as like a prayer in the middle as he's facing off against it. Well, he actually was doing like he was naming a bunch of birds that he could remember. It wasn't even yeah. like a scout code. Uh, well, well, and and the, even then, it's like why why was that important that he was mentioned as a, a scout when his hobby was just birds? <laughs> well, I, I'm just remembering the miniseries. That's what I remembered. Is like he just keeps on repeating the the scout oath. Was like I know what that is. That's a scout oath. Why are you repeating the scout oath? What? But anyways, like I think they actually won. I, they did a great job in just this little miniseries of kind of like establishing for Stan that he's just much more than I think the, mo- than the movie personally. So I'm sorry, but I'm going to be honest. is like I liked what they did with him where he's like he's the doubting Thomas of the group of just he just can't accept. It takes him the longest to accept that there is an it. Mm-hmm. He's just like, no, no, no. Like, it's just, you know, and like this that doesn't make sense like that's impossible there can there's no way this thing can exist like you're you're crazy and the and when they confront it like unlike the movie it's like about to eat stan so so i can understand from that perspective like that's like i almost died i almost mm-hmm. was eaten and like this thing is like just too fundamentally like breaks my mind it's like, I cannot I, accept that this thing exists. So just like, guys, here, here's, I'm sorry. Here, no, no, no. It's So here's my fault in that. So like, say, example, he's, okay, he's about to get killed by it. It's this un, unruly, un, insane being. But why, why take your life just thinking about that when you can simply, in his, in his own right, he could just simply not go back. Um. He made a promise, yeah, but did he also break that promise by not coming back by dying? Yeah. Whereas, so the remake, where he has, where he's actually, uh, he's attacked beforehand, in his mind as a child, things can only get worse. Like, if it was that bad already, what else can he do to hurt me or even kill me? Um, That fear in itself settling in. I think that in its way is a lot more scary and what pushed Stan to the edge for me. I don't know. It just, to me, it seems a little bit more believable because like stuff like that piles up. And I mean, over the years and all of a sudden you're getting hit with this, like this train wreck of thoughts. And it seems like aside from Mike, Stan is supposed to know the most of what happened. Cause he's the observer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just kind of, he looked out for all the losers. Um, which in its own right wasn't really portrayed all too well in either versions. Um, but he knew and he wrote, like, I mean, at the end, it's like he wrote the whole letter and uh, essentially it's like, he's trying to say like he cared. Um, I don't know. It's just uh, his death, in, his death in the remake. I just, I don't know. It sold a lot better and it hit a lot harder. Um, when he died in the, 90s series as I was just kind of like what did like he was just so scared that of you know like it and then I don't know it just it I, I wasn't sold on it it wasn't as tragic as I wanted it to be I guess but um mm. as far as trauma goes it seems like the remake did it a little bit better okay well I disagree I, I think just to me I've, I've said my piece but I'll I'll just mm-hmm. reiterate just to me I I, I kind of bought bought it more was like he's just he's a bit of the of the of the weakest link of he's just more of like the 
he's like even more than Eddie, like he's actually legitimately just too scared right, right. the entire time. And and he he's the most traumatized. And, you know, like this is just from the root of the story. I I get like that there's a point where it just like it's like some people could have come out so scarred where it's like, no, I'm not like I'm too scared. Like, no, mm-hmm. no way. I'm not doing that again. I'd rather die. It's I get that. Honestly, the 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 letter is like the weirdest part to me. In in it chapter two of all the things that like it chapter two is kind of like when we get to it, it's a bit of a it's a really flawed beast to me, and like that's one of the weirdest parts to me where it's like, is this pro suicide? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah. So, okay, let's. I'm gonna do some honest, like, bare ribbing at the see, at like part two. Mm-hmm. So, the actor who played Bill, um, he was for young Bill in the miniseries is really good. Mm-hmm. boy oh boy like the the actor they got to play bill in the second part is just really really bad um i forget i forget who so i want to say one of them had trauma there was uh like the actor themselves were going through a lot oh. <laughs> um I know that that particular cast was damaged in more than one way. Really? Uh, oh. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's, oh, God, I forgot where I actually heard that from. I think it was one of these YouTubers I actually watch. But um, it, it's actually kind of sad. Um, yeah, a lot of, there was only, a f- honestly, there's only one actor in there that was, at the time, the closest that you could say to A-list. And it's the actor that played Eddie. Um, for, for for really Eddie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's he's been in he's been in TV shows. He's been in quite a bit. Honestly, he's more uh, t- like uh, he's the Ooh. only one that actually continued acting. If I'm not mistaken. Well, no, um, the actor who played Ben, John Ritter. John Ritter is like a comedy legend. Um, are you speaking uh like young Ben? Oh, 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 for the, for, no, 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 for, for, for the, for the elder cast. Oh, that's right. that was, mm. No, like, a young Bill, like, yeah, young Bill, no, he was a tragic child actor who, bless his soul, he committed suicide. Yeah. But um. He was a great actor, and he, he, he was really good as Bill, and so that, that's why I was, like, kind of, like, saying, like, the adults they got to play Mm-hmm. Bill, like one playing like this obvious Stephen King knockoff. Yeah, yeah. But which that's in every version of the story, so that just that it, it's what it is. I mean, I know I know the character was originally meant to be you know Stephen King's likeliness, but they went way overboard with the actor. I'm just like, okay, well we get it. You didn't have to nail this home. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. I think, yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that was a bit much. 
Um, I don't know what was going on with the adult cast. Like, I really don't. The only performances I actually enjoyed was, again, um, the actor for Eddie and the actor for um, Richie, to be honest. Mm. Um, Richie at the just comparatively, he was over the top, but I liked how it segued back to Seth Green, who was also over the top. And I thought that was perfect. Um, I really liked uh, him. Um, I liked the actor who played Mike. He was really good. Yeah. Like, um, actress who played Bev, I thought wasn't too bad. Like, um, didn't leave. Like, she's kind of nerd royalty because she was the first Lana Lang and Mm-hmm. And she was in Smallville. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's also, <laughs> boy, oh, boy, like, it, it's both the script, but also the actors. And I think uh, it's a bit easy to tell with the adult actors. Honestly, like, a lot of them were, like, in, are famous for, like, sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And they're asked to do, like, this dramatic performance. And you can kind of tell, like, they're more comfortable with sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's it's both the dialogue and it's also, like, their performances. Or just, like, it, it gets a bit too soap operatic at times. It's over the top for no reason. Um, and especially in between all of the the flashbacks that just happen whenever, it's a mess. I'm, I mean, just, it's like you can't, you have all this over the top, strangely over the top, but underacting. With all of these um, these throwbacks, like oh, this is why, like you know, this this triggered her, and it's just like you know, honestly, I at this point, it's kind of hard to believe because it seems like everything triggers them with the way they act towards everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I do want to compliment though, even though it it's not a great written part, and this is also a compliment to the actors. I've just I've just they, <laughs> I don't get how they're they're able to get her in. Maybe it was just the trajectory of her career, but they get Juliet, Olivia Hussey, to be uh, Audra, Audra, Bill's wife. In the that I, I yeah, I don't know. That was such a weird, like. And like, well, well, so 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 my little bit mean, but also honest thing is like I've noticed sometimes like I've watched a, a bunch of British shows. And sometimes you can just tell always, like, the quality. Like, I saw some Game of Thrones people in this really fun, bad um, historical drama. Mm-hmm. And just, like, it's like, wow, you are really good actors because you are, like, these lines are horrendous. But you are, like, giving it your all and, like... Trying to really sell it. <laughs> and, yeah, and, like, Olivia Hussey is, like, is right there of, like, just, like, she's given, like, this total, like, hallmark dialogue... But she, like, tries to sell it as best she could. I think that's the sad part is she barely – she's barely in that movie. And for the later part, she's just catatonic. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. It just – it was such a – in the miniseries, it was such a needless thing. Um, I don't know. Her – I would have – rather the miniseries go ahead and focus on the few minutes of dialogue that she did have and make those moments very impactful than to have her drawn into, you know, the later segment where she's kidnapped and held hostage. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) 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 Am I watching Taken? I don't understand this. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, they do incorporate that idea into the it chapter one for Beverly, mm-hmm. but yeah. Overall, like, um, so I like it. I think it holds up. But okay, no one and like they, the people themselves, like no one defends the, the spider. Yeah, no, no one on their life will defend that ending. Um, okay, like I'll I'll defend this much. Like the actual design of the spider, and it's like some shots of it, like individually, like no, that's kind of like good. Well, I mean, like budget, for the time like, that was cool. I mean, like you got the stop motion, uh, practical effects. Uh, everyone loves that, but on scale like yeah it just with the characters it's just like ew (laughs) well plus it's also lame because like they just push it over i know like it's a fucking cow it's like come on guys let's push them over and to (laughs) die to that i i am so eddie is my all-time favorite character out of this whole miniseries he's super relatable to me and for him to go out like a bitch by after, it's like you died to something you can tip over, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Um, that was a very disappointing outcome. And just to, I don't know, to get taken out. Oh, I don't know. That's, that was, that's a shameful thing. Yeah. Okay. So that's it for it miniseries. It's, it's fun. It's, it's of its time. Tim Curry is great. I get good laughs out of it now and then, and I will always go back to it. Um, but is it as horrifying as everyone says it was then? Absolutely not. It is oh, no, no, super no. fun. <laughs> it's fun, but it's it's a fun thing to watch, I'd say, yeah. Yes. Yeah, just, you know, have your buddies over, have a couple drinks. Oh, it's totally worth worth watching. Right. Oh, but, absolutely. But, yeah, no, let's let's get into the main event that we were really here for. Yeah, the main movies. So right off the bat, like um, if I were to give a a ranking, I'd say like it it chapter one is to me like a nine, and and like it chapter two is like a is somewhere in like the seven to like eight for me. But I agree. Like, I can agree with that. It's just like it, it's just it chapter one is like is the perfect encapsulation of just everything that's good about about the it novel mm-hmm. and like the it miniseries just made into some into a really rock solid movie. Mm-hmm. There are things I can nitpick about it but like it so works works for everything. I agree. And it's it's yeah, like you said nitpicking is it's hard. Like you can do it, but it feels unnecessary. It's just kind of like at this point, yeah, you're literally just you know, try and find anything to complain about it. The second one, I can definitely pick out some stuff right off the bat where I disagree with, and I'm like, you know, that could have gone a little better. But um, together, those two parts, if I were to remember it, it's honestly from the remakes. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just the performance from both casts was just, uh, so it was so good. Um it had been, it's been a while, like, a movie made me cry, and Chapter 2, definitely, that, um, together, both of those movies, it's just, it, it hits home. Chapter, oh, actually, it, Chapter 1 made me cry, too. Well, this is why I want, wanted to bring you on to talk about this, and just your, your love of this. It's so wonderful, that, that touches me, right there, that it touched you that way. Okay, I, I, 
I want to give one little praise back now that I thought think about it to the one thing I'll give credit. And this isn't like a nitpick for the for the movies, but like it's just mm-hmm. it's what it is. Like biggest thing like I'll give credit for the miniseries is like it's kind of obvious like I think even the kids can tell it's like, "Oh, we did not kill it at all. We heard it, but like no, that thing is obviously still alive." Mm-hmm. It's just like it, it's practically like saying, "I'll be back." Right, and they they kind of see it slink away, and they see it fall, but it's obviously not going to die just because they, you know, beat the ever-living shit out of it, you know. But it's uh, I, I like that. It's just a setup. They know what to expect. They know what the 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 horrors that still lurk, but for then it's like they can return to being kids. Um, which uh, yeah, it's just. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, the setup is a lot better. I mean, the miniseries yeah. is just kind of they kind of hit it on the mark, but there's something more deep the way remake does it. But I think it's because they really focus on the connections between the kids and like their camaraderie and their um, and they're not perfect. Like I like the dynamics, like when they fought and uh, they had their disagreements, and that they actually didn't see each other for a segment of the summer because of their run-in with. Uh, Pennywise, and I think that I don't know. It's just there's so much more to care about um, in there, and you know, with their already strong child cast, it just it's it's sold. It's a airtight cast. Um, Finn Wolfhard as Richie is is steals the show, but right there mm-hmm. with him is Dylan Grazer. Yes, I'm, like, I'm, I'm really <laughs> impressed. I'm really rooting for for Dylan Grazer. He also won my heart in in probably one of my favorite if not my favorite superhero movie. And that's saying a lot, I know. Mm-hmm. But but one of my favorites, definitely like my favorite maybe uh, of this decade or last decade was Shazam. Him, I agree. His performances is, there was really good. Just everyone in that movie, honestly. I'm going to gush about that real quick. Shazam is a really fucking good movie. <laughs> it is. Well, it it's, was, it's, it's become yeah. my, a new staple for Christmas movies for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, it, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's one of those things where, again, it correlates really well with, like, their child counterparts. Like, I believed that this adult actor was the kid actor, and he, you know, and I just, I don't know, it was like, oh, God, I love that movie so much. And the support characters were all great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would watch that movie all the time. <laughs> so, so he is just, he is so damn good as Eddie, and, like, and just, he really, really just sells that, like, hypochondria so well. Mm-hmm. And just like that obsession and that fear of AIDS that he kind of nonchalantly says at one point. Mm-hmm. And okay, the aging up. I know, okay, 11 to 13 doesn't seem much, but that is like a great thematic of also Stan's going through his bar mitzvah of just mm-hmm. like, what, what is it really about? It's about facing your fears and also becoming an adult, mm-hmm. especially at chapter one. And so that's a great thematic tie. And also aging them up means like, I do love the cutesiness of like like you're just about like starting to really be attracted to people. You start to have sexual interest. And mm-hmm. so like all the the boys like looking at Beverly at one point after they take the swim. Mm-hmm. And just like being like fascinated, like girl in underwear. Right. Yeah. Um, I also can very much relate that they, and camaraderie, that's a dead on. I, I so agree. They cast it perfectly. And 
something I really do like is how they. Okay, weird thing we we didn't mention, but like every version of the adaptation of it, like they they pretty much just like take the core idea of like how many people there are, and some of the basic ideas, but every adaptation they've gone like a totally different way with the the characterization mm-hmm. of each one of the individual losers. Yeah. Like like the weirdest thing is like in the miniseries, like Ben is an is like his dad is dead, and like he's now like living with his his aunt and cousin and like he sees his father as like the, what as like the version of pennywise to lure him into the trap yeah i ugh, that i thought that was a little weird it, it, it was weird but like it's like that, that's the thing is like so like each time and so kind of like my big compliment for the 2017 movie for the movie for chapter 1 is that is that bill is like one, they go for this whole stranger danger idea, which I, I think is great. And it's not that, like, and the the kids don't, they don't know that the kids are dead necessarily. They've disappeared. Mm-hmm. And so Bill's journey is accepting that Georgie is gone. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he spends, like, most of the movie, like, trying to, like, no, Georgie's not dead. I'm going to find Georgie. I'm going to find Georgie. And he's... And that's done like a huge number on him. That's kind of the weirdest thing in the novel, I will admit, mm-hmm. and the miniseries. Like it's like they do like pay lip service, like oh no, he's totally sad about this, and yeah, he is. But like he's also kind of moved on in some ways. Yeah, and I I touching upon Bill's grief um, in the remakes. Uh, that was one of the things that made me cry. Is just like his whole resilience towards the idea of like he's still so hopeful. And mm-hmm. it's like the purest of hope because he's a kid and he yeah. wants to find his little brother. He feels guilty. Um, and I think so when he faces off with Pennywise and he finally finds Georgie's coat in a weird way, he still can't let go. And he's he's grieving. But at the same time, he's not because when he's an adult, um, that grief is still there. He's latched onto it. And um, when he faces that for the final time, um that was also in a weird way touching. Like he's trying to, uh, he came to terms with the fact that Georgie was dead, that, that portion of him had, it had set sail, but he never forgave himself. And I think that is like a very, um, adult trait to have. Mm -hmm. So it's like his, yeah, his fear was just kind of like coming to terms with it again, because the last of it was literally him. And, um, dash it's deep. Because it's like, I don't know, it just, it it ties in with, like, you know, the growing up and then now you have different problems and how he never actually forgot. Uh, so in a great uh, empowering moment for him. So I thought that was a really cool way to come out of that little, that little trap that um, Pennywise put him in. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, well, no, I, I like that a lot. I mean, that that is probably my favorite I mean, my my favorite part of the movie, I'll be honest, is them beating up on Pennywise in the movie. Oh, heck yeah. That was just, it was satisfying and just like. Uh, it's wonderfully yeah, it's just, cathartic. They, they, they've built it up yes. so much. Like, I'm, I'm just like, just now I'm going to beat this fucking clown. Right. Like, yeah. But no, actually, I, I, I agree with you, Rainy, for, for actually one of the things that's really smart is to include that they they try to face it. 
like that is weird in like the book and in the miniseries of just like that they they just like the first time they they try to stand up to it it just works mm-hmm. and like they they kind of already figure it out mm-hmm. of like okay like this is battery acid believe this is battery acid then it will be battery acid for for it right and it's fitting because they're like, kids their imagination is stronger and if you aren't afraid of something and you make it you know i guess <laughs> to throw it to it too if you make it little it's not as scary and you can overcome a fear it's symbolic but also they're actually conquering this this villain yeah but i mean like and that's part of my problem with two is it kind of just repeats what what happens at the end of one mm-hmm. yeah but like but they, they, they kind of figure it out at the end of one where it's just like it's or just like it's like he's trying to scare but then he's just like eh. it's like he spits on poor eddie but it's like ah okay i'm gonna kill you yeah and like i see the mummy but i don't care like bev you're my little girl stab right okay, and actually, it's okay, a... one, one thing i wanted to probe myself also just i'm, I'm gabbling now i'm sorry mm-hmm. but no you're good I remembered really loving Beverly. And I just wanted to rewatching the movie again for the first time in a while. It's like, why did I really like this character? And it's like, was it a performance? And it, it is her performance, but I I think more was just like, oh, they make her like basically the other leader, other than Bill of the Losers. So like, she's much more like an active decision maker. Um. I agree. She does like a lot of like cool things in in the movie, so just like that's like was like oh that's why I'm responding to this character. It's um she has an interesting concept just because for yeah her and Bill uh, I would say are um they are definitely leader roles. Bill is a lot more I guess let's say uh, assertive and gung ho, whereas mm-hmm. Beverly wants she's kind of i want to i wouldn't say foil but she's more of like we all need to stick together you can't just go rushing off on your own Mm -hmm. um she's a glue um and it's uh uh i think yeah their leader dynamics are really important which um serves as a point when they split up for that summer and they're all attacked individually and um when beverly is kidnapped they all come together again. And I think that is so freaking like well done just because it's like, um, it took her kidnapping for them to be like, Hey guys, we need to, you know, what are we, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I just, uh, that was, that was so, oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I do also like that, like, Beverly in, in, in the movie, she kind of like starts to semi figure it out of like, I'm not afraid of you. Like the minute, like it's like, oh, you're not. So I'll just make. I do also like that they actually kind of make you'll float actually make sense. Like mm-hmm. it's actually kind of a plot point. It's like, oh, they float. Like literally. <laughs> um, it's one of those like fun like Stephen King can do that sometimes where it just like he just makes something this weird ominous thing of you'll float too. Right. Like 1408 that has it of just like. I'm just five. This is five. Ignore the sirens. Mm-hmm. Eight. This is eight. All your friends are dead. And just like, it's like, what does that mean? Like, it doesn't matter, but is it scary? He's like, yes. <laughs> like, what do you mean you'll float? It doesn't matter, but does it scare you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think for, 
I, at first I thought I wouldn't be like really pleased with the reveal. Like when it was like, oh, look, you know, like it's all the missing kids. And then when they finally defeat Pennywise and they all like float down. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's in a weird Silent Hill-esque way. That is creepy. I mean, you have yeah. this sewer well filled with fucking dead children. <laughs> it's it's terrifying. And um, the equivalent is for, like, uh, say, for Chapter 2, when um, Henry Bowers comes out of the drain and all those body parts just come flooding out. Uh, that's uh, morbidly terrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, actually, you mentioned Henry Bowers. I want to praise that actor's performance yes and the 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 way that they wrote bowers of just that not to they they kind of allude to it and like it is a plot point that they do explain it just as well in the novel Mm -hmm. and like they don't really at all in the miniseries to be frank Mm -hmm. other than like one throwaway line but i like he is such a monster and like he freaks out belch and like some of the other bullies were like what the hell you're like you're actually gonna carve your name into I, like into the kid and, like whoa that's what and then like yeah, later it, on, it humanizes shoot, some of the bullies in a sense what? yeah well um, like there's degrees there's always degrees like it's like and then some right. like them like just like they're bad but like they're not evil whereas like henry's like whoa no you are actually twisted henry is uh in a way, his own tragic character. Like, don't get but, me wrong. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously then, yeah, someone yeah. you're not so, supposed so, so to feel bad for. So that's what I was gonna for. say is like, but then like a great direction, great like casting for his father and like that performance of just suddenly mm-hmm. when he's like, when you think you could just hate him more because he's about to shoot a cat, then like mm-hmm. his father, it's just like you instantly get everything of like you get Henry Bowers of like, oh, this is why he's like that or acts this way. Yeah. It's just like right. that his father shoots at him. It's like, what the? Yeah, it's a whole new level of trauma. And uh, Henry Bowers is actually, so he's one of the uh, characters that actually um, is a closet character. Um, and that also plays a part because he's, he's so wrapped up in his own trauma and just his own empowerment comes from bullying. It just shows the degree of how bad it can be um for certain people and i think that's a that's an interesting dynamic just kind of like on its own as like henry bowers just being how he is which leads me to my disappointment when uh they really don't touch upon like i, I wish i saw a little bit more um in the books that, i mean there's a bit more but i wish i saw more cinematically between bowers belch and uh, and the other bullies just because uh there's just so much of that character and that actor was just so phenomenal. I wanted more. <laughs> well, if they leave you wanting more, that's probably a good sign. Yeah. So really good stuff. Really good stuff. So this is all around. What what more can we say? Sometimes like you can just really just. Uh, okay. We, we talked on it earlier. So Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise Mm-hmm. Like watching it again, I was like, "Oh, he's not in it as much as you think." So he leaves a great impression. Yes, uh, I'll give that. And he doesn't even have that much dialogue, actually, either. No, After, and the like, few the that he does scene. have sells. It, it it goes. It it's it. If you say it floats, uh, yeah. it's um, it's not over. The, it's not over the top. It's haunting in a way, and it's strangely funny. Mm-hmm. Um, 
at certain points, but not over the top, like, okay, you know, you're overstaying, you're welcome with this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll even say as far, even like the stupid dance that he does, it's <laughs> so weird. Like, you're not sure if you should laugh at it or be mildly concerned because I mean, if I saw that happening, I, I honestly probably would be scared too, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's weird. Cause it's, it's not supposed to be funny, but you want to laugh, but you're not sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's part of, that's the intention. Mm-hmm. And even though I, I do say, and I still maintain like Curry's better as mm-hmm. Pennywise, like he's better as a character. Yes. I will give one line in particular line reading to Skarsgård kick knocks it out of the park of of just him boasting right before he's like says like I will like you can leave and let me just have Bill I am the devourer of worlds like you he sells it I think just a bit more where it's like yeah this is like they are so out of their depth like this is a entity mm-hmm. like this is a like there is no way they can kill this thing like this is just like this is crazy what are you doing yeah Bill's uh Bill's dedication to the character is really impressive just because um, there's some fun interviews where he explains um, in a couple of scenes, you can see his eye kind of like over. He can do that. It's not digital. And I'm just like, this is insane. Like he was like, he could do the smile. Like he, he thought of all these things when he was, um, you know, like as he auditioned, he attributed to all, all this to the character and he gave so much, um, it's just a, a, it's a hard, uh, it's a hard sell because like I really really like Bill Skarsgård as um, it. It's just Tim Curry just, um, he nails it in more of a way of like you would expect. It's something that's uh, luring, not just specifically scary. If yeah. you just want scary, then Bill Skarsgård does it. Um, I he, mean. I mean- that first scene where like almost his real debut and mm-hmm. i think it probably was for the losers of just when he like he's about to like eat eddie poor yeah, eddie with that's, that was arm. his debut yeah that is like it is one of the it is genuinely like oh my gosh like whoa right and it's it's jarring just the way he appears and i can only imagine like the actor's first reveal just to see this and bill skyscar giving like a thousand percent I I mean that must have been such a beautiful like yeah. movie moment. <laughs> Capture that on film. Yeah. Um but yeah, I do wish overall Bill Skarsgård not that he had more lines, but the few that he did have, I wish some were more delivered in a way that was funny. Um mm-hmm. in it chapter 2 he's talking to the girl and I think that's the closest it comes to being like yeah. uh, <laughs> like he kind of sounded like Winnie the Pooh and I was just kind of <laughs> like I mean like all right you know I can if he did that all the time I could see his appeal and he kind of made himself look smaller and cuter you know but mm-hmm. most of you already know by you know this is the second movie like if this wasn't the first I'd be perfect but I just I'm not sold on it mm-hmm. um at all <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, we said it earlier. Just like just anyone who sees like Skarsgård's Pennywise just runs immediately. Like run. Right. And Georgie had the right idea when he first saw him. Like, oh my god. And the whole like, you know, it, I think 
the discomfort there were and he was he made Georgie laugh and then he stopped and then Georgie was like oh shit like <laughs> um it just kind of Georgie really shouldn't have died that day um just because of that like it's such a uh I don't know um yeah it's oh, such a hard they were both great Pennywise this is in all right but yeah oh. I Tim Curry is definitely he steals the cake. So, okay, the only thing, like... The thing is, okay, it Chapter 1, like, until you see the Chapter 1 at heading at the end, and, of course, mm-hmm. the cutting your hands, making mm-hmm. the, the oath, and, like, her talking. So it's basically the last scene of the movie. The last scene is the is the only part of the movie that would make you think there would be a sequel. Is they do such a good job of, like, this feels like a standalone movie. And unlike the miniseries, like, it seems like, no, I think you killed it. Like, this looks like, no, I think you killed it. Or it's, like, totally scared, and, like, it, its head starts to, like, pop open. Mm-hmm. There's, like, last word, fear. Right. It just, that seems like, and, like, how they've triumphed, like, we're not afraid anymore, but you are. Like, that seems like, okay, you've won. That's, that's yeah. the end of the story. Um... I think so for the final fight, I'm going to go ahead and give it to the remake, even though, I mean, there's a lot of digital effects. Obviously we're already expecting this huge abomination of a monster. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like, I, I, I don't like the idea of making him smaller by insulting him. Uh, just cause it's, (laughs) it's such a weird, um, (laughs) It's not even like it was fine when they were kids because it was like, okay, your imaginations make, you know, like kind of like a nightmare on Elm Street kind of thing. Like if you don't believe in him, yeah. if you think he's little, then he's he's shit. But yeah. the coolest part that even came out of that fight was literally when he was starting to get small and fucking Richie comes in and rips a leg off. I wanted yeah. I wanted more violence, I think. Maybe that's what I wanted. I wanted Richie to start beating him with that leg. Um, <laughs> but it just, it seems it's not organic. Like, it didn't seem like the losers themselves believed in it when they were saying these things, and it just seemed silly. Um, uh, it, it, that's chapter two. In chapter two, this much more kind of, like, flawed mm-hmm. thing. I think that's our cue to start talking about chapter two. So, Overall, like, yeah, It Chapter 1, it's a masterpiece, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so It Chapter 2. Um, I kind of want to talk about this just for a sidebar, but also to be honest. Mm-hmm. Something the miniseries has got, and, and this is just Hollywood now, mm-hmm. is, like, don't get me wrong. The, like, a lot of the people in the It miniseries, like, the adults are, like, good-looking. Mm-hmm. But they're not gorgeous they actually look like middle-aged people mm-hmm. that you would like find off the street and like yeah beverly like yeah she's good looking but she's not like a model right they look uh i wouldn't say worn out they just look like people that live their everyday lives are not yeah hollywood-esque looking and so compare that to when i first watched the movie it's like like some of them's like okay jessica chastain like yeah yeah, okay, Je- Beverly, Jessica Chastain. Okay, sure, mm-hmm. sure. When I saw the actor they cast for Ben, I just, like, it took me quite a while to, like, accept, like, that's Ben. 
he doesn't look much like the child actor, but I actually like that whole like turnaround for him. Uh, kind of just like, yeah, you are in disbelief. Like, I mean, you remember this like pudgy little kid and <laughs> who had like not that much confidence in himself. And he like kind of like he worked on that. What I don't really get is um, uh, it hurts to say this because he's my favorite. But um, and I know the two actors like they worked phenomenally together. They they are literally almost the same person. Um James Ransone as Eddie, his physique <laughs> is, it's so hard to hide. Um, James Ransone is like unruly, like fit. And um, they, you can see them kind of like bulk on the clothes to kind of give him like this like dad look. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't fit. Same thing with James, uh, James McAvoy. Yeah. Great performance. But I I I couldn't I can't even say that I really buy him as Bill. Okay, Ma- McAvoy to me I'm the Ben actor. It, it was just like I have met like there's two people in my life that that have made that big of a transformation. Mm-hmm. Like where I was like sound like whoa whoa hey whoa. I won't name drop, but just like suffice to say like whoa okay you 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 look totally different. Mm-hmm. But like I do love also that little gag moment of just Bill Hader of like mime coming like, up and like what happened <laughs> it's like, what happened to me <laughs> yeah I, I do like that that was that was good I mean okay credit work credits do like I I do like Hader is like one of the only ones who who is willing to make himself look a little more like no like I'm not a model I'm not gorgeous I'm just and I do like the gag he says what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just keep that five o'clock shadow. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I, McAvoy, like, I think for me, honestly, what, what annoyed me, like, I think his, his, his attempts to do the stutter feel more kind of Hollywood stutter and a little bit more forced mm-hmm. in a way that the child actor playing Bill didn't i think so i actually i didn't really have too much of a problem with how mcavoy stuttered i think it's more of the fact uh i know it's supposed to be kind of like oh it's bringing up like old memories like you he stopped stuttering a long time ago and now he's doing it again because he's scared i get that but it's just less believable when the i don't know it's always less believable when the adult does it yeah and i don't know if it's because like i I, maybe I don't know enough adults that stutter, but most of the time, I mean, it just looks more. It fits more when a kid does it, but when a guy, like a grown man, does it, um, it's weird. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's well, the thing is, like, the older you get, the more that you you learn to kind of adapt. Usually, like, adapt. Well, mm-hmm. why does Joe Biden speak slowly? It's because he doesn't want his stutter to come out. Right, and I think that would be more. See, I would think that would be kind of like a cool struggle for for Bill. Instead of stuttering, he starts talking really slow and methodically, like he's struggling. And I think that would kind of show like he's really trying not to not to bring back an old habit. And mm-hmm. I think that would be more painful and like uh, in moments of like 
really, really great despair, then he stutters. Like, he's not thinking about it anymore, like, if Eddie died or something like that. I think that'd be more impactful. But the fact that he just kind of, like, throws stutters here and there because he's scared, it's just dumb. <laughs> yeah. So, also, okay, all right. Honestly, Randy, uh, for me, one of the biggest flaws of the movie for me there's a more glaring one I can easily point to, but like for now, I'll just say this. I I really don't like the retcon they give to Bill in chapter mm-hmm. two of like that to me, like I like that. He just could have survivor's guilt and still like have that haunting him. Like mm-hmm. that's what's haunting him. It's like, it's like, like I like just the simple idea that they go for originally in the book, in the movie at first, it seems like, but just like, it's like, why, why Georgie? Why not me? It's like, why you weren't there but yeah then, that was like, that was enough i mean the, they threw a kid in there just to recreate the whole idea of him losing someone else which was I, unnecessary i, I don't my, i actually like that bit personally i, I don't know i didn't but really like it, it. it just seems so pushy it it didn't that didn't bother me what bothers me is then like just the revelation towards the end of the movie is like oh no bill wasn't sick he just didn't want to hang out with his brother it's like I mean, I get, so I know what they were going for was like, he felt so guilty because it wasn't, he wouldn't feel, feeling guilty because you were actually sick doesn't make sense. So to say that you were sick and weren't actually sick and because you lied, you, you felt that it was your fault that your brother was out by himself and, you know, died alone. I, I understood that. The delivery, on the other hand, or the reveal of that so late in the game was terrible. If they had revealed that a little bit sooner, maybe that might make it more sense. But um, like I, I mentioned think, before, it's just, it, it, it I, I think that that's part of it to, for me is is exactly what you just mm-hmm. said. It's like it's it's just so late in the story. Right. And like and it kind of like. Plus, he's already on the cusp of forgiving himself for it. So it's just like, it's like, why are you bringing this in? Right. And it's, yeah. I, I, and it, I maintain, like, it, it would have just worked if just, like, he just has survivor's guilt, which is like, that's mm-hmm. fine. Even if he even, like, mentioned it in the, uh, like, in the beginning, uh, even if he, like, haphazardly told, like, he's like, yeah. Um, he's like, no, I, it, I wanted to go outside with Georgie and I still think about it. And it's like, I wasn't actually sick that day. Like, that would hit more that would hit home for me more than when he did it then just because it's such a, like as an adult, you think, uh, you know, or like for everyone else, Oh, it's such a small detail. But if you know the connection from him saying that and you put it all together, it's like, Oh shit. Like Georgie really did die because of you kind of thing. And it's, (laughs) um, I think that's, I don't know. It just hits more than that whole scene where he's like, okay, well, you know, like, it's not your fault that you didn't want to go out and play. Like, okay, you don't need that. You just, like, yeah. we got it. <laughs> so, yeah, I think maybe that's a little bit writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, heck, I've I've seen James McAvoy act his butt off. Praising your right. British actors earlier, I saw James McAvoy act his butt off in trying to convince me that Dark Phoenix was a good movie. <laughs> so, uh, he, he tries. And he yeah, a, and he, he, he definitely tried thing. there. He delivered. It was just the writing there was, it fell flat. Um, yeah. And, I, 
Honestly, okay, that's part of what you were talking touching about for sequels, and that's part of the problem when you do sequels in general is like mm-hmm. what what is the character's arc from this point on? Cuz right. like we've already done as much of an arc as we can. And I just saw the last James Bond movie and that's something that I can understand and relate to is is like how can we give this character like cuz he wants an arc, he doesn't want to be a flat character, so how can we give this character an arc to go through? Like what think- can we do? And so I don't know, like, the, there, there's some of the characters given much more easier work to do. And I like want to say... Easier arcs of just, like, like Ben, for all his, like, image change and material success, he still feels inside he's this loser fat boy, so... I think... And Beverly is just like, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I still ended up marrying my father, so I still haven't dealt with my trauma and insecurity, so, yeah. To... Just to wrap up, Bill, I think so that scene, we didn't need a double of him, more of like if he was facing Georgie on his own and he told Georgie, like, if he came forward with the truth, then I think that might have been that would have worked, too. Kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, um, Georgie was calling him a liar and he was like, I'm sorry. Like, if he's just said, I'm sorry, I lied. I know I wasn't sick that day. I just didn't want to go play. And he killed Georgie. And then that was it. Now I've been like, you know, he came to terms with his guilt. He realized it was. And then he said, you know, it's not but it's not my fault. You're dead. And um, ended it there. That shit would have been perfect. Yeah. But the fact that he had to face himself quite literally kind of dumb. Yeah. Bill's arc, though, overall, I think hit me the hardest. Um, Just because of like he held on to that for so long. Um, well, that I can relate to. Yes. Yeah. Um, just yeah. I mean, like any. It, I would say it's fair to say that anybody ha- can relate to like having held on to something. Um, not strictly survivor's guilt, but just that correlation of just having guilt. Yeah. Um. Be, yeah. Touching on Ben, like you said, uh, his is weird because, like I said, he's the only person other than Mike. Because Mike never left Derry, so he never forgot what happened or what have mm-hmm. you. Um, ben is the only one that actually kind of remembers some aspect of Derry in terms of a person. Yeah. Um, and him just kind of believing like he's still like this fat, no good person, I think is just kind of like... Um, he didn't do those changes for him. He did those changes because he wanted to be looked at differently and it mm-hmm. seemed like the only approval he could get was from that one single person, Beverly. And mm-hmm. that, that unrequited love and hookup is a very relatable trait to, I'm sure many adults. Um, so that, yeah. I think that can hit home for some people. And I, in that regard, I can understand um, that self-improvement, but always feeling like you're uh what's that? Ah, there's like a syndrome where it's kind of like, you you made it, but you don't feel like you should have. Like you're oh imposter syndrome, kind of. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's completely fair. And yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, it's it's Hollywood. It's a story, mm-hmm. but just like still, I do maintain like you're still hung up on someone from middle school. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it happens, but just like it's like, dude, come on, middle school. Mm-hmm. The only I thing think... I remember from middle school is being in band. That's all I, I guess. I mean, I guess the whole point of making him older was like he was finally, you know, like how kids are starting to like, as 
they were what 13 they aged them to 13 yeah uh so you're just kind of like starting to you know get acquainted with that those sort of feelings and it i guess it was so impactful because to him it would never happen i guess mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh it just made such an impact on him that he remembered it and i think in a way it's supposed to be touching but i agree no, many no. would argue I, you're I more think, likely think... to remember a high school crush than a middle school crush yeah <laughs> well i completely ag- i think it, it, it works it works mm-hmm. in in the, in the context of what i'm seeing it's mm-hmm. just like you know just like it's just stepping back like what we were earlier like kind of criticizing like it's kind of like vague but like it's like that it's like when you step back and think about it's like hey come on buddy middle school really but like yeah whatever yeah yeah at that point yeah because i mean they're feeding you this knowledge so you put the pieces together and you come up with the conclusion but otherwise yeah at face value you're kind of like really i mean like you remember someone signed your yearbook and was the only person that signed it whoa wow like yeah yeah i i I can see that yeah Um, hey, it's it's everyone like immediately like taking apart rightfully so twilight of like if anyone said like the things they say that's supposed to be romantic it's like run away that's a stalker yeah, it's like that is a creeper mode <laughs> um i like watching you sleep okay uh yeah, it's like what, do you usually do that go to the window like what the fuck <laughs> um yeah i think so, so i we gotta talk about the biggest so the two that have the biggest fan base and of which i am proudly a part of <laughs> um eddie and richie mm-hmm. i'm gonna be honest i did not i think be, maybe because of my first read i didn't really click but i had no idea that richie was gay i think like, that's that Especially since the miniseries was the first one that I saw, I didn't. There was none of that. There was like no hint of that. Um, in the book, on the other hand, there was. Especially, there's like a thro- one of the throwaway lines is like, uh, Richie. Uh, it's like Richie's having a thought to himself, and he's like, he wonders if the other losers have um, husbands and wives, and it's like, why is husbands plural? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like a clue into like he knew one of the other ones was um, uh, at the very least by <laughs> um, yeah. and the whole like symbolism that they throw in chapter two I think was insane because I didn't know about that either with the upside down triangle balloons um, for both those characters uh, in part one it was with Eddie at Nabel house uh, with the after he's chased by the leprechaun and then chapter two uh after the lumberjacks or during the lumberjack scene where it's mm-hmm. floating down and he has the upside down triangle um those two characters took ice oh, they took a whole fan base and made it their own um that honestly is quite part of the reason why a lot of people are obsessed with this version of it and remember it so lightly just um the dynamic between those two and then like that whole side plot of um basic ex- lgbt acceptance <laughs> especially that richie had um uh which now i'm gonna backtrack um you remember the first scene in it chapter two yes uh, uh yeah. crime scene yeah 
Yes, that was um, the most uncomfortable, like one of the most uncomfortable cinematic things I've ever viewed. Uh, um, it's can... it's a really hard watch. I honestly skip it now um, after having seen it, just because it it hits a certain way, and then you see the parallels between Eddie and Richie and like that whole struggle. And maybe because I feel differently about it, just because of the my my own personal connection with like LGBT communities and just knowing the struggle that those people go to that I mean now obviously we have quite a lot of a forgiving society now but for then it's just so um it hurts it's like a deeply seated thing mm-hmm. um and I understand like the whole like tie-in for those two characters and I think I, I don't know just the remakes really drive that home and I, I really like them having brought that back in a sense just because it kind of adds to a more um relevant topic uh like that lasts from childhood to adulthood and i uh, i like that that theme that they're going with and they really kept with it on that um but yeah that was long-winded sorry <laughs> thank you that's beautiful i don't know if i want to add more than that other than just to say that um you know i think that was something that is like stephen king like has admitted like i didn't write it that way but like i'm totally okay with that that's great Mm -hmm. yeah and like there's like a throwaway line in the mini series where like richie says like like i've i've been married like eight times like and i've been divorced eight times it's just like yeah he's he's like dr malcolm and jurassic park was like yeah I'm like I'm I'm serially wedded, but like I don't stay wedded. Mm-hmm. But they had such a I think that's something that like came from the ideas for making chapter two. Mm-hmm. But but it's also just like what when you realize what you have, and like Eddie and Richie had such a good friendship mm-hmm. in part one. They had like they had the best like comedic kind of like vibes. That's just like, like yeah. and like they they carry that on like both the actors are so damn good. Uh, major credit like the the actor for Eddie is just one of the best of like transitions where it's easy to see he became this person. Yeah, James Ransone is um he's uh I've only really before it I've only ever seen him in like Insidious. Um I did try to like look at some of the other work he did, and he looks like he's a very adaptable actor. He's played different kinds of roles. He's played cocky. He's played funny. He's played scared. He's played um, mm-hmm. cops, kind of like serious tone shit. And uh, to see him kind of fall into that, I think he really just kind of fed off uh, Jack's energy. Um, and which I think is really funny because in the interview he specifically states he's like. I'm just going to do, I'm just going to copy exactly everything like this kid. Um, he did he a great job. <laughs> Sorry? I said he did a great job. Oh, uh, yeah, he he nailed it. Yeah. Um, the parallels is great. And yeah, he was, he was phenomenal. And the, just him and Bill Hader, they, they really bounced off each other. Their chemistry as like comedians together, I think was very, very awesome. I'd love uh, a buddy comedy movie with the two of them. After, yes. After seeing this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think honestly there was chemistry between all those like all the adult casts that you kind of almost forgot that it was a you know you're like what are all these what are all these uh 
scary things doing in my my romantic comedy like what is you know yeah. like it's, you forget mm-hmm. and I, I like that dynamic and it kind of you know when scary shit does happen you're like oh shit right we're doing <laughs> <Yeah>. this <laughs> so i mean that's something every version of it has really been able to capture is like the friendship mm-hmm. like in both versions of, of like miniseries and the the it chapter two like the chinese restaurant scene like they've mm-hmm. Like that's basically the scene that establishes like their their old friends meeting up for the for time and years and it it feels real to me both versions oh. really well I'm just instantly like you just click back in and like you have the same kind of relationship same kind of running jokes you still go for the yeah and then from I like that, I married your like, mom just, I married your mom like oh shut up fuck you the them forgetting like just kind of like living in the moment kind of thing and then being so happy and then when it settles in like, Hey, okay. So when's San showing up and it's still kind of one of those like hearty, hearty horror. And all of a sudden it gets really dark and dismal. It's just a really grim reminder of why they're there. And it's done beautifully. Like I love, love that scene. Mm -hmm. I, I do too. So we haven't talked. So, I mean, he's best known as the old spice man, the actor playing Mike. He, he does a really Poor Mike in like every version of the story, like he, he's not a, they have to, he has to be in the story because he's a big part of chapter two. Mm-hmm. He's a big part of the adults, but like he, he doesn't like join the losers until halfway through. Yeah, I wasn't connected to him in any way. So I think that was one of the mistakes. Uh, Like when Stan committed suicide in the second movie i felt for stan even though everyone says like oh stan was barely in the movie barely in the movie i don't know there was just something very impactful on that Mm -hmm. yeah but whereas mike i just i felt nothing for like as i only honestly thought he was he was honestly just annoying just with him being like hey i found a way to like you know beat this being and like this is how you do it and we should do it and it's like I, I had a hard time adjusting him into a leader role or feeling like any sense that he should be the one, you know, making these decisions. And like, I, I didn't think that any of the losers had any real uh, means of saying like, Hey, yeah, you know, I trust this guy. I'm going to, you know, I'm a, I'm a go for it. And the only scene that you really even get with him being remotely with them is when they were in the clubhouse, but that's all unforeseen stuff, like stuff that we, that happened off screen. And yeah, there's just zero attachment to this character, and I didn't feel sorry for him. And I don't know, it's just <laughs> I feel oh, bad just because they didn't make me want to feel bad. Well, I I do love personally, I I love much more Mike in Chapter Two mm-hmm. and the performance and just like how he and okay, I'll, maybe we can get to it. Should we get to it now? Well, this is free flowing, whatever. Mm-hmm. I effing love the twist oh uh, yeah i i don't okay so i'll say this okay my biggest problem with chapter two and like other people have said this and i think you you might agree with me on this there is too much flashbacks and stuff with the kids in chapter two Ooh. Uh, um, there, 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 I, I think that's just like there's just there's just too much of just like there's too much of like you get the the, the scary scene with you get the kid scary scene and then you get the adult scary scene. It gets a bit too formulaic for me. Whereas like there's, I love the Richie flashback scene. That's 
genuinely awesome. That's a great sequence. Mm-hmm. And it ties in nicely with Bill Hader's. I don't know why we need the Eddie flashback scene. Like, just have Eddie in the pharmacy, and then he hears something, gets attacked by the leper. That's all I need. Like, I don't need a lot of these flashbacks. And the other thing that's kind of honestly, you can kind of tell is, you can kind of tell what what are just deleted scenes from mm-hmm. it chapter one and what are just new material that they shot with the kids and had to digitally de-age them for. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just like the... I I don't need a bunch of the... I love that they included Stan's Bar Mitzvah. I love that mm. they included Stan's Bar Mitzvah. And I love what I said earlier, the earlier scene with Richie where he, where he like tries to approach Bauer, Henry Bowers' cousin and then like Henry Bowers' cousin is like uncomfortable and does the gay panic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love um... all... I want to say, okay, so I won't say that the flashback, there was too many flashbacks. I will say some of them were longer than they should have been. For Yeah, like, for example, the Eddie one, way too long. Um, uh, the fact that he should have gotten the meds and then gone down to the basement. Um, and then, like, yeah, the kid Eddie went through that. All right, fine, I get it. But the adult Eddie going down there, there was no reason. Um, it was just completely pointless and uh, all just so they can go ahead and tie it in later. I did not think that was necessary. Uh, that I agree with. I do. I don't like how the miniseries did the flashback sequences just because they came so often. And it seemed like they were triggered whenever, like when someone said something, it's like, oh, you're dead, fat boy. And it's like, we're like, OK, we're going to go ahead and do this flashback. It's like, oh, God, please. I never felt yeah. like annoyed in the chapter two because they were they set it up to where they're going back to these places of memories um i do believe some could have been yeah like i said i think some can be to have done better and have been shorter um or they could have picked another memory entirely like just something more relative to uh that's just like yeah short and sweet like it just some of them just were way too long and it felt like forever and I can see why people, a lot of people think, you know, it's it's a lot of flashbacks. It's a lot. No, I just don't think they were done entirely correctly. Um, like, uh, actually, I think even though it, it special effects don't look great, like mm-hmm. the actual like the stand flashback actually mm-hmm. makes sense. Even though again, it's also weird because like, why do we have to have this? Why couldn't this somehow have been in the first movie? But I agree. Yeah. Like a clubhouse scene. I think that would have been better with the, you know, like the kid actors as they were. But I mean, they still did a great performance. But yeah, that that's something that I feel could have been included in one as well. And that's also better just because like that's mm-hmm. in the context of like that's that's part of them grieving for Stan. Like, I like that. I like right, that. Right. But like it, it's just like there's there's one too many, especially because like, you know, it's like Beverly doesn't get a flashback scene, really. Like, I mean, she has like. Well, actually, okay, she does, but like, it's like it's really nice and trim. It's not that she has to encounter Pennywise and then encounter Pennywise again. Like, that's part of what's right. annoying to me for 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 Ben and for for Eddie is like those flashbacks. It is like it, they just drag on too much. We have to see twice. Yeah, I would have felt more comfortable if the adult version just kind of dealt with it. Um. Richie, like if they wanted to do it like Richie's where it flowed more seamlessly, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But those 
those two in particular, Eddie and Ben, went on for far too long, especially since some of the other characters didn't even have that. Yeah, um, yeah Bev just went in as her adult self. Things changed. She got swoopy. She's like, I'm out. Um, yeah. And so we were we were earlier a little bit critical of Bell, and you have your opinions, but for me personally, like I liked that that one like the the moment where it's like stay away from the drains, like I don't hear anything from the drain, like but I hear it from from the tub, mm-hmm. and that that sets up him like chasing in the maze, and I I like that. I scene. love that scene. Uh, yeah, don't get me wrong, I do love that scene. I just uh I don't like how it became like the forcible push of. Bill kind of like, no, I got, we got to end this now. I'm going to do it now. Like, I thought you were already going to do that. Like, it's this, why are you rushing this? Mm-hmm. Like, I understand it hurts that, you know, another kid was lost, but again, it really wasn't his fault. Yeah. Um, it's I do because it became you... something that he was afraid of that it was like, all right, well, I'm going to use this against you, you know? Yeah. No, I, I do get what you, what do you mean when you say that? Yeah. It's, that that's more of like again like the problem with like the storytelling pacing I think, yeah it's just like it's like there's got to be just, some inciting incident why are, you're here and you know like the clown is bad and you've kind of decided like yeah we got to stop it like, like yeah there, there's a couple that don't want to do it but like then they change their mind it's it's fine I think you but but the, but I like the sequence so uh, I don't hate it but yeah I think the sequence would have worked better if all the losers were there. I think I'll put it that way. Kind of like it was the breaking point for all of them to be like, we can't keep fighting each other or saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go after seeing that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that might've sold me on it a bit more, but the fact that it just happened to Bill and Bill just comes back and he's like, no, I'm going to go get it. I'm so tired of it. It's like, okay, dude, like you need to calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I do like the sequence. Don't get me wrong. I do like the like small, like throwbacks to the miniseries. Uh, it with like the uh, those uh, clown obstacle things that looked exactly yeah. like OG Pennywise. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that whole sequence. I just think that it was really dumb that it was soured by the fact that it was Bill's final push to do something. I think that it was just kind of, you know, and all the losers are like, oh, he's going by himself. We can't let him do that. And then it's just kind of like a repeat of when they were kids when it was like, oh, well, we don't really want to go in, but, you know, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just I, I think that could have been done a little bit better, or at least for me. Um, but yeah, uh, if that sorry that if that was lost in translation. No, I did love I did love that kid's part in it. I did love the whole uh, mm-hmm. maze and stuff like that, and the concept and him hearing it, kind of like oh god, you know, it really is going after uh, kids generations later, etc. Or that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I just again something that could have been done a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of the story of it, chapter two in general. Mm-hmm. But credit where credit's due, and okay. So I understand a lot of people do might have a problem with this, mm-hmm. especially the criticism of like the Last Jedi of like why do you have the Canto Bites sequence? If, like, a whole <laughs> Finn, like Finn and Rose plot if it doesn't do anything in the end and just causes yeah. more problems why do you do that like okay then you're not getting the point of the story mm-hmm. but point is that it didn't work right but for that for that movie and i love the twist from all i've read i haven't gotten to the book the actual ritual of chud but it sounds like part of like 
what we were saying earlier for the book of just like it's a bit too crazy mm-hmm. and it's a bit too also like it's a bit too on the supernatural side for what it sounds that, like to me yeah like and like it's just kind of it, it's it a pulled last minute thing like okay so mike spent his time with some native americans he smoked some peyote saw some weird ass <laughs> shit and then he was like yeah dude this box is gonna save us all I, I just, I'm not sold on it. I'm, I'm not. And, like, I understand that it was supposed to be an item to kind of, like, make them believe, like, hey, you know, like, I, I learned about this thing, and it's supposed to work. I would have been fine with that, but I didn't need, like, a whole flashback sequence for that and, like, a whole backstory of why he thinks it would work. It was just more of giving them, giving the losers something hopeful is already easy enough because they're so, they should be so desperate to get rid of this thing forever. And to have the idea in their minds and like that hope and belief that this, this thing will do it. And if they just do this stuff, it's going to work. That should have been enough. Um, and their disappointment on that final fight and like them just turning to Mike, like, dude, you're like, fuck you, Mike. Like what the fuck I think was really I good. Love it, though. I, I'm um, personally, I, I love it. One, it's such I, an adult thing to do. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was just, well, and I love, like honestly it's just like it's such a great moment for me of like one like oh they're actually doing the ritual of chud like from what i've heard mm-hmm. sort of and then like oh and then just like nope it didn't work and i love pennywise just laughing about it and just like oh mike would you little ritual even work what is it eddie said it's a gazebo and yeah, then like then they just flashbacks like yeah it did like if the native americans figured out how to kill it why is it still around it right. failed. It's like, oh, that's brilliant. I love it. And I think it, it also ties in with the whole, like, the disappointment. Like, say, Mike had nothing but good intentions. And I think that's what also hurts is, like, him, where it makes him, like, almost shut down. Is yeah. like, he really was just trying to give them something to believe in to maybe empower them and maybe they will overcome it. Um because they're adults now. They understand the reality, the the uh, the magnitude of what they're facing. And he wants them to feel any kind of empowerment at this point. And for him to, like, let down his friends like that in, in, in a way where he was only really trying to do good must have hurt as well. Just, like, I can understand that, like, that whole thing where it's, like, you, you wanted to do good and it backfired and now everyone, like, hates you in that moment and that, that anxiety, that fear and that hurt. Um, I think that, you know, I, I like that, I like that twist a lot. Um, I think it's just the whole back, the whole backstory of the ritual of Chud and all this is, oh my god, so unnecessary. <laughs> I didn't mind it, personally, but again, like, I think that would have worked if you just trimmed out a little bit of the, some of the some of the flashback scenes, I think it could have worked better. But right. I mean, the exposition alone, like telling, um, telling Bill and like him saying, like, yeah, you're you're the, you're like, I know you would be the one to believe me, and just like anything can work, and like that would have been fine. But the whole like, okay, well here, I'm gonna put something in your water, and you're gonna <laughs> see what I saw, and you're gonna like be like, oh shit, yeah, that's a great idea. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, but they use that that Deathly Hollows kind of like storytelling aesthetic, which I kind of like. Also, I don't know. I, li- I like that sequence. I just didn't feel like it fit. <laughs> I, I understand. Yeah. Well, well, hey, that's also part of like the, you know, the whole cosmic thing about it. Like the more you actually go into what really it is, like that's it gets a bit too cosmic and it kind of drags away from the main point of the story. 
that and it takes away from the fear and mystery. Like, okay, we already established that it's this shape-shifting, morphing thing that adapts to your fears. That's scary on its own. I don't need to know. It's from this planet. Um, uh, this fucking... It's not from fucking Galfrey. I don't care. You know, like... <laughs> I don't need to know, like, all that. Or just it's tell me, crazy. like, okay, it's an oh, alien space. You oh, kill things. Where's the macroverse? <laughs> it's the macroverse, not Galfrey. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. There was a lot of details that were just, eh. Yeah. You can tell it was, like, an attempt to make things make sense more, but in the end, it's just like, okay, well, it makes sense, but at the same time, I don't really need that information. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, for me, uh, so, and and Mike is right in the end, because they, 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 they figure out or remember again, which is, again, part of why it's not as... I think you actually might be right for like because they don't actually like physically overcome, they just kind of neg it to death. Right. It's kind of weird. But Yeah. I mean, I mean Eddie that's... gets that awesome spear throw, so Yeah, but see, I mean it it just seems more gratifying when they're destroying it physically just because I mean, as adults they're more in tune to reality and like the concept of it being it is a living being. It's just they need to destroy it like it's a living being um, to fight it like it is Um, when they were kids and they were, you know, are overcoming and they're not scared and they're making him like, oh, weaker because he has nothing to feed off of. I believe that as adults, not so much because, I mean, uh, it's just I don't know. It was more gratifying to see Pennywise uh, being torn apart and speared and like being overcome with like not only like their conquer of fear but just physical strength yeah. uh the yeah that the whole oh god clone 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 but at clone. least at least eddie didn't go out like a bitch so yeah yeah well count your blessings yeah speaking and- of death um so tying in with bill Hader's performance in the entire thing uh his his comedic all the comedy that he did all the comic relief and all that i love when it ties into something so breakingly sad it's it just hits so like when they're all like joking about joking about eddie and they're like haha he would be like oh my god why are we swimming in this um when he breaks down i literally cried because it was just he to remember someone after like such a traumatic thing and then just kind of like when that one character who's just nothing but laughs who jokes about even like the most dire situations um to see them break it's just like it's 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 kind of like seeing your dad cry like and you never see your dad cry kind of thing you know um Mm -hmm. it breaks you um and to see him like be even more solemn when he's carving into the fence was just as sad and uh like, I don't know, like, that shit was, um, I love when stuff ties in like that. I think it just kind of, like, it's more than just the character on the surface level. Like, you can't just say, you can't look at the movie and go, like, oh, Richie was just there for comic relief. He was just, you know, you know like, he's just there. Um, and you don't get that from him. And I, I think also, I mean, it pays to Bill Hader for being a really good actor. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, that dynamic is, that was good. And the death was very uh 
that was a uh, that sucked. <laughs> yeah. So it's it chapter two, I think, to sum up. Mm-hmm. It's got some really high highs, but it's also got some low lows. Right. Like that's the thing, is like that's why it's like it's not just betting betting super consistently like it's, chapter one. It's definitely not a movie you can you'll believe on its own if it was the fact that it's attached to number one makes it an above average movie. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Actually, was, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, finish your thoughts. And then I want to ask one like kind of joke question. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, as if it were to be like a standalone, which it kind of could with the way it's paced. Um, it I, it would probably be average or even below average of a movie, if I'm being completely honest. Um, and it would be one of those movies where you're like, oh, the actors really saved it or they tried their best and it's it's just a movie. But mm-hmm. together, it's strong. Um, and together, it's definitely stronger than the miniseries. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's... Uh, you know, that, that is something that watching Chapter 2 is like, this is almost just the book itself, like, where mm-hmm. Chapter 1 is this, like, really cool kind of like their own thing recut of of just like the of it chapter two mm-hmm. that's just the kids part yeah uh so I, yeah but that's kind of like my thoughts exactly yeah just beautiful they put rainy um okay so the, le- the the gag question i wanted to ask mm-hmm. is kind of the weirdest moment in the movie for me where like I even like trying to listen to the director kind of try to justify it still doesn't make it any less weird Mm -hmm. is just when Eddie gets thrown up on of just the angel in the morning plays like oh yeah (laughs) why are Um, you I thought that was hilarious only because like the tone of the music and like but as far as I try not to read too deeply into that because I honestly that whole like I said that whole part is something that could be completely cut out other than the fact that he brings it up as he's dying at the end. It's like oh I made him small I, I strangled him you know like it's that's the only thing it really ties into otherwise really yeah. unnecessary and I just try not to uh, yeah no I try not to look into that that was that was weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just, funny, just yes. Like, unnecessary, absolutely. <laughs> it's just such a I don't know, like it's almost like this admission, like, yeah, this is this is ridiculous. We gotta acknowledge right. it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um just, I did like if I saw that as like a scene and it had some relevancy, I I mean I I still got a laugh of it. I do enjoy um James Ransone's reaction, like yeah. he finally, you know kills it quote unquote and he runs away and he's just kind of like what the fuck <laughs> like it's such a very like adult and human reaction just like what just happened like i don't understand and i think that's kind of more in tune with how the audience felt at that moment like yeah what the fuck <laughs> yeah. um yeah. in that case it was cool but it it went on too long <laughs> yeah. uh i think that's Wow, we've talked a lot about it, and we I did. love it. This has been fantastic. Any final remarks you want to say? No, uh, except for thank you for having me. This is really fun. Um, it's not very often I get to talk about it to this extent. Uh, yeah. 
Um, I tend to annoy people with my my passion for it. (laughs) All righty. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Yeah, you too, man.